Yehuna, and we've been going through a lot of different books that you may be saying, I'm not very familiar with this stuff in Ezekiel or Daniel or Hosea or Joel or Amos or Obadiah, but the book of Jonah is one that most people are are very, very familiar with. Um, we've heard the account, the historical account of Jonah and the great wish, the great fish, or the great whale. Um, <clears throat> story is told of a little girl went to Sunday school and heard the story of Jonah and swallowed by this great fish and excitedly went home and her dad didn't attend church and went home and said, relayed the story and he said, you don't really believe that happened, do you? That a a great fish, a whale swallowed a man? Yes, I do, she said, absolutely. And she said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him all about it. And he said, well, what if he's not in heaven? She said, then you can ask him about it. (laughs) So it is an account that we are very, very familiar with. And I think sometimes we fail to... Maybe give Jonah a benefit of the doubt. Jonah's kind of picked on as a disobedient prophet, a reluctant prophet, a pouting prophet. And indeed, he was all of those. Um, tonight we're going to look more at Jonah himself. But this morning we want to look at what we can learn about God from the book of Jonah. This is much more than an interesting account that is given. As you know, God came to Jonah and said, um, I want you to go to Nineveh and to cry against it and proclaim to them that in 40 days God was bringing judgment. Nineveh was a great, great city, humanly speaking, It had walls that were 100 feet high and 50 feet thick. The the walls in certain parts of it, you could drive three chariots abreast along the top of the walls. And these walls, 60 miles around the city. Were built. It would. They were a. They were a power in Jonah's day that had tormented Israel, probably a population of about six hundred thousand people, um, and they were worshippers of false gods, and um, as I mentioned, they were a great, great threat to Israel's security. And one of the reasons that Jonah did not want to go that we can imagine is that he did. He said this. He feared that the people might repent and God would refrain from punishing Israel's enemy. 
Now, we may have a hard time relating to that, but that was, that was some of the things that were going through Jonah's mind. But throughout this, the book, it reveals to us a lot about the heart of God. What do we learn about God? In anything in the Bible, it ultimately needs to bring us back to God. What does this tell me about God? This is a, a revelation of the heart of God. And in the book of Jonah, we, we notice a number of things. You notice in verse 2, God said to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. One thing, God notices evil doing. I can remember as a very young man reading in the book of Proverbs and the reality of Proverbs 15.3 dawned upon me where it said, The eyes of the Lord are upon the earth beholding the evil and the good. It's both sides of the coin. But God sees everything. And... And Jonah may have been at the point, we're Israel, and these people are very, very wicked. They are very, very evil. And does God even know, and does God even care? God sees the good, and God sees the evil. And you may think in your life that someone in your life, or some things in your life, are evil, and no one notices And it's going to be passed over. God sees the evil and the good. And you're going to see in this account a number of other things. But in noticing that, it speaks to us in our own life, in our own heart. God sees the evil, the negative, and God sees the good. You may do well. You may do what is good and no one notices God does. You may do evil and no one notices, but God does. And Nineveh was a very, very wicked city made up of wicked people, and God noticed it. But through the book of Jonah, we also realize that God speaks. In verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Look in chapter 2 and verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Look at chapter 4 and verse 4. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? And verses 9 and 10 of the same chapter, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry? And the Lord said to him, continued. We'll look at that conversation. But notice in these four brief chapters how many times it says, God said, God spoke, God made known His will. Do you understand We were made for a relationship with God, and God speaks to us. He speaks to us through His Word. 
He speaks to us through creation. He speaks to us through His Spirit. The problem is not that God doesn't speak. The problem is our ears are tuned to a different frequency, so to speak. We're not in tune with what God is speaking. God loves to make known His will to us. If we are willing to listen to Him. And God speaks. I mean... That alone ought to stir our hearts, that God would talk to me. Have you ever been in a situation where, I said, have you ever been in a, I was going to say, have you ever been in a situation where someone has not spoken to you? I could also ask, have you ever been married, all right? There's times you have not spoken to your spouse, right? Or your spouse has not spoken to you. And those are not good times. And God has no reason, apart from His mercy and grace, to speak to us. And God speaks. I mean, to Jonah, He spoke to him the first time. And it would have been very easy for God to say, I'm done with him, I'll get another one. And to us, God speaks to us. I mean, I, I hope you know the joy of sitting down with the Word of God and reading the Word and not just reading words, but then knowing, wow, that, that was God speaking to me. The, the Scriptures come alive and you know that was God speaking to me. Who are we that God should speak to us? You can't get Governor Reynolds to speak to you. You can't get a lot of people in this world to speak to you, let alone the creator of the universe. And God speaks. And then we learn about God, that God knows where we are. I mean, this is, this is fascinating to me. God knew exactly where Jonah was. He knew exactly where to send the storm. He knew exactly the ship he was in. In verse 17 of chapter 1, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I mean, here God knew exactly where he was when they pitched him overboard, okay? And he moved upon that fish of the sea. He knew exactly where he was when, there he spit him out on the land. You know what I'm saying? You may think, no one knows what's going on in my life. No one knows the situation. God knows exactly where you are. God knew exactly where Jonah was when He prepared a gourd. You know, it's not like us um, searching for studs in a wall. You know what I'm saying? How many of you put a lot of holes in a wall searching for studs, even with a stud finder, right? Oh, man, that gourd came up 20 yards to the left. No, it came up, he knew 
He knew exactly where Jonah was. He knew exactly where that plant would grow up. I mean, that tells us God knows, he knows us intimately. He knows how many hairs are on our head. And, and in all of this, he knows everything about us. Psalm 139 says, he knows when you sit down. He knows when you rise up. He understands your thoughts afar off. He hears when you rise up and you groan and moan. He knows about that, all right? He knows every detail about us, and he knows us. And we also learn from the book of Jonah that God controls all creation. He sent a storm, a great wind, and a mighty tempest on the sea. God sent that. And then it says that, He prepared a great fish. It's interesting. It's translated a great fish in the Old Testament, a whale in the New Testament. Um, In both cases, it's reference to a, a great sea monster. The term includes whales and sharks and other varieties. Many believe it was a white shark. Um, that's found in the Mediterranean, often 30 feet long. Um, there are different traces of, of that species that are even bigger. Uh, but they've been known to swallow um, horses and sea calves the size of oxen and reindeer. And in my studies it said reindeer, parentheses, without horns. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay. And um, it's interesting, in 1758, a sailor fell overboard in the Mediterranean and was swallowed by a shark. The captain of the ship had a gun, fired it at the creature. The creature spit the sailor out of its mouth. He was taken up, injured very little. The fish was then harpooned and dried, and they presented it to the sailor, and the sailor made his living traveling around Europe, exhibiting the the fish that swallowed him, and he lived to tell about it. So it isn't the only time. In fact, in, in 1891, off the Falcon Islands, they cut open a whale, and found a man alive inside. He was unconscious, but he was alive. I don't know how it ended with him. But it doesn't matter if there are evidences of that. God, who made all things, can make any fish swallow anything that he wants. And in this, he prepared... The God who is the control of all nature prepared this to swallow Jonah for an ultimate purpose. And Jonah was conscious in there. We read, we're not going to take the time, but in chapter 2, he recorded his prayer. And we learn from this. God is in control of all nature. The wind, the whale, the the gourd that grew up, the worm that ate the gourd. 
God is the master of all. And he controls all creation. We also learn that God honors repentance. In chapter 2, you will find a prayer of Jonah that is a genuine prayer of repentance. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, verse 2, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. And he goes on and records his prayer. In chapter 3, we find when Jonah came and proclaimed 40 days and God will bring judgment on this land, on this city, that the people repented. And then the king repented. And the whole nation repented, meaning we're headed this way. Repentance means turning and going a different direction. We are headed towards judgment. They acknowledged their sin. They turned and turned toward God, and God in His mercy spared them. They repented. They manifested fruits of repentance to show that they were serious about this. And God changed His purpose. The city was saved. The purpose was, if the Ninevites do not repent of their ways... I will bring judgment upon them. I will destroy the city. The Ninevites did return, did repent, and therefore they escaped the threatened judgment. The threatening was conditional. So, God honors repentance. It doesn't matter what we've done when we turn from our sin to God. God honors repentance. We also learn about God. I didn't know how else to put this, but God gives redos. When I'm reading along and I read verse 1 of chapter 3, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. You know, in my life, it's not the second time. It's the 22nd time and the 42nd time. Aren't you glad... God doesn't give us one chance. And God came to Jonah the second time. He honored the repentance. He came to him in his mercy. The book of Jonah is full of the mercy of God. This is all the mercy of God. And over and over and over again, the mercy of God is manifested in Jonah's life, in the Ninevites' life, and look at your own life. In our lives, the mercy of God is manifested. And I thank God that God came to Jonah a second time. And I thank God that he comes to me over and over again, and he says, let's try this again. (laughs) Let's get back up here and get going on this again. That's the mercy of God. That's the heart of God. And we rejoice in that. And then you see from this, God uses imperfect people. Jonah goes down in history as perhaps the greatest revivalist ever. 
This may have been the greatest revival that ever took place. He was the instrument to, that God used to bring it about. And look at, <clears throat> Jonah was far from perfect. If God didn't use imperfect vessels, he wouldn't do anything. God has chosen to work through human beings in his plan. And every human being is very, very imperfect. You look at the Hebrews 11 Faith Hall of Fame, and there are people in there that you would not have expected to show up in the Faith Hall of Fame. They were very imperfect. And we need to understand God uses imperfect people. We need to quit dismissing people in our life because we don't see them as perfect. And what business do you have um, doing anything in my life? I mean, they tell us Jonah may have even been bleached out when he came to Nineveh um, from the stomach acids. And they could have said, who are you, a rebellious prophet, telling us? But Jonah was a very imperfect person. And yet God used him. You look at people, and I've been there in my life, and I know it's a miserable place to be, but dismissing people because, in my eyes, they fail here, fail there. Well, I'm not going to listen to that. Listen. All God uses is imperfect people. It doesn't mean you overlook false doctrine. It doesn't mean that you... But the fact of the matter is, every one of us have scars. Every one of us have failures. And Jonah, a rebellious prophet, and as you read through, even when he went, his heart wasn't 100% right here. But God still used him. And what a blessing that is. And don't limit people. Because, well, they're not, they don't match up just perfectly here. You know, there, there's people that travel around looking for the perfect church. Well, this doesn't match up just... And again, if it's false doctrine, absolutely not. But the fact is... If you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. The reality is God uses imperfect people, and Jonah was an imperfect prophet. But we also learn about God that God is no respecter of persons. The main purpose of the book of Jonah is to teach Israelites that God loves other nations than their own. Now, we have seen in our our 30,000-foot journey through the Bible, we have seen that God took Abraham and said, I'm going to build a nation. You are the apple of my eye. They are very special to God. God has special purposes. We've seen all that. For Israel. But Jonah comes along, and God sends Jonah to the Ninevites, who are the polar opposite of the Israelites. 
And this is a, a stark contrast. We are God's people. We are the special ones. Wait a minute. You're having mercy on these people? Do you know who they are? And God used this to show that Jonah was a prophet to Israel. And then God called him to go to Nineveh. Jonah's heart and concern was for Israel. And God is showing Israel that God is no respecter of purpose. To teach the Israelites that God loves other nations other than their own. You, you know, I, I love America. But it's easy for us as Americans to get thinking God loves us more than anybody else. That's a bunch of junk. God doesn't love us any more than anybody else. He loves the world. Yeah, but, but we have this Christian heritage. That's the only the mercy of God. And God, Jonah, the book of Jonah is a great missions message that God presents to all of us. That he says, I have mercy on all. And I want the message of my mercy to be brought to all. And we also learn that God is more interested in salvation than condemnation. God is more interested in mercy than he is judgment. God loves people, period. God so loved the world. See, missions, mercy of God, is the very heart of God. There, Luke fifteen seven. there is joy in heaven over one sinner who comes to repentance. It doesn't say there's joy in heaven when your team wins a championship or you get the job of your dreams or the home of your dreams or things turn out the way you want. No, there's joy in heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance. God is much more concerned about mercy and salvation than he is condemnation. And we ask the question, are we? Why these people are so wicked? God ought to just wipe them out. Where are you going to stop with that? That means he ought to wipe all of us out. But it's easy to get that way. It's easy to see these people that that um, you see on the news and they're spouting falsehoods. And, and you know what? God loves AOC just as much as he loves you. I could go on and list all kinds of names that some of them would jab us right where it hurts. God loves every human being on the face of the earth just as much as he loves you and me. He doesn't love us more because we're sitting in church here today. And this is what the message to Jonah. You love the Ninevites? And Jonah knew it. 
If I go there, I know, God, you are a God of compassion. Isn't that what he said? I know if I go and I proclaim that, you're going to have mercy. They'll probably repent, and you'll have mercy, and you'll save those people. And I don't think they're worth saving. Is there anybody in your life that you've really looked at with a condemnative spirit? I don't know if condemnative is even a word. I'm sure it's not, but you get the message, right? A condemning spirit that, that there is no one that God looks at with that. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And the book of Jonah is a message that God is more interested in salvation than he is condemnation. God is not, God is not up there, man, I can't wait till I can just send fire and judgment on the earth. I can't wait. No, that's not the heart of our God. The heart of our God is when one sinner turns from sin to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, there's a celebration in heaven. There is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Can you imagine the joy in heaven there was when 600,000 people repented? Greatest revival in all of history. The joy that is there. And so we look at this and we look at the, this tiny book of Jonah and we see the heart of God. Wow, that God speaks to us that in his mercy he gives us redos, so to speak. That he honors repentance and thankfully God uses imperfect people and he's used many people in, in my life. And that means he can use us in other people's lives And that God is more interested in salvation than condemnation. You may have come here today and maybe you had a a rough week. And you say, you know what, I just just blew it. And I, I am not worthy. We are not worthy of the mercies of God. If we were worthy, it wouldn't be mercy. And God says, I am interested in repentance. And I want mercy more than condemnation. I am willing to show mercy. If we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. And perhaps you're here today and you say, you know, I have never repented of my sin. I have never turned from my sin to Jesus Christ. I've never called upon Jesus to forgive my sin Jesus Christ says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. He says, if you will receive me, I will forgive your sins and save your soul. He is not looking to condemn. He has provided his son for forgiveness. He has provided his son as an intercessor for us. 
that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the book of Jonah is an account of the mercies of God, the heart of God, that God loves people. And he said to Jonah, Jonah, you had mercy on this plant that grew. Should not I, would not I have mercy on these hundreds of thousands and innocent children that don't even know their right hand from their left hand? He said, Jonah, you don't understand my heart. And from the book of Jonah, we learn the heart of God. Heavenly Father, I pray today that our hearts would be encouraged in knowing your heart a little more clearly from the book of Jonah. I pray as we read through it this week that we would even be brought more to see your heart. And Lord, I pray for individuals here today that maybe their own heart is condemning them. Maybe the accuser, Satan, is condemning them. Maybe their own sin is condemning them. Lord, I pray today that they would see that you honor genuine repentance. And if they would turn from their sin to you, you will forgive our sin. Perhaps there's some here that this week they know they chose the wrong way, even as a child of you. That like Jonah, they went the other way. Lord, I pray that we would see that you honor repentance, that you're eager to forgive, that you are plenteous in mercy, full of compassion, and that you're not anxious to bring condemnation. Lord, thank you for the testimony of Jonah. Thank you for the testimony of the Ninevites. But most of all, thank you for the testimony of your heart that is full of mercy. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes.